Welcome everyone to Force of Nature Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew D. Hamilton, and I'm here with my co-host, David Butcher. Terrific. Dave, this week we have the return of our man, Jim Corbett. I'm Jim Corbett, mother. Nice. Jim Corbett is back, and I have a great story to share. This is the hunt for the Chowgar Tigress. Ooh. This man-eating tiger is responsible for 64 recorded deaths. Probably more. But uh, anything with Jim Corbett is going to be good, so strap on your seatbelts. This is going to be a great story. Nice. We hope everyone enjoyed last week's episode, our sixth edition of Recent Animal Stories and Attacks, which those are those are always pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, unless... Uh, unless being threatened by a crazy Florida man about his army of turtles, <laughs> which is a story we covered. So go back and check it out if you haven't yet. As always, we are joined in the studio by Colonel Cheetor. Are you ready for a Jim Corbett story, Cheetor? Jim Corbett's coming back? Hell yeah. That's right. Nice. Uh, as always, we want to thank all of our listeners uh, for tuning in to us. We've been doing well on our download downloads lately, so that's always good news. Uh, if you enjoy this show, something you can do to contribute is go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you use. Give us a review. Give us five stars. Say something you like about the show. Uh, the ratings and reviews really help uh, help the pop podcast gain more attention and gain more listeners, and they uh, they mean more than you th- than you would know. They mean a lot, and somebody did because we have a shout out to give hey. this week and a super shout out. Whoa! Uh, just to let everyone know, super shout outs for somebody who uh, donates and contributes to the show becomes a producer. So we'll uh, do some thanking after we do the story. Okay. So before we get going with the story, I think it's necessary to do a little review on Jim Corbett. Mm. Uh, I'll be pretty quick about it, but let's t- uh, teach the new listeners who don't know who he is, and we'll remind the older listeners. So Jim Corbett might be one of the coolest guys throughout history, if you ask me. He is most famous for hunting man-eating tigers and leopards in India. He hunted around a dozen man-eaters, and in total, all of these man-eaters killed over 1,200 people. Wow. Isn't that a lot? Yeah. Uh, Jim was born in India. Uh, He is British. He's a British guy born in India during the British Empire time. Uh, He was born 1875 and died 1955. He was also a colonel in the British Indian Army. And then he was a writer. He uh, he wrote several books, which is uh, what I use for my source in the story. And uh, he he was a big time conservationist as well. And if you remember, Dave, he didn't like to kill these animals, but he felt a responsibility to save human lives by killing these man eaters. Yeah, you remember that, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, wasn't it? Uh, he wasn't. He was even reluctant to start hunting the Champawat until. They were told him it's killed a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. And if you remember, he didn't uh, he didn't take payment either. Yeah, he's a no blood money. Yeah, yeah. He didn't want he want, didn't want it to be like a bounty hunter. He didn't want to be a bounty hunter. So that's that was part of the deal. 
And God, they even nowadays they have a national park named after him, Jim oh. Corbett National Park there in India. Oh, cool! I want to go. Yeah, I do too. It's... So p- p- please donate so we can go. <laughs> <laughs> donate our vacation. Film. <laughs> it's not a vacation. Uh, it's yeah, a... we're going there. We'll do an episode while we're there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But our uh, our our last story when we covered Jim was his hunt for the Champawat tigress. Do you remember how many that tiger killed? Four thirty. Four hundred thirty-six. Four thirty-six. And that's oh, m- it's close. <laughs> more, more than any other single animal in recorded history, the that's Champawat crazy. tigress that Jim Corbett killed. He also killed the leopard of Panar that killed around four hundred as well. Gee. And we haven't covered that one, right? No, we haven't covered that no, one. Oh, yeah. We're definitely going to sometime. Ooh. When we when we cover leopards, we'll do an all about leopards and then we'll end on a, another episode on a, one of his hunts. Okay. That'll probably be the next Corbett story. Okay. And we also learn that the majority of these man eaters have some kind of injury that prevented them from hunting their natural prey. We've talked about that before. Yeah. Oh, and then if you remember, there is a subspecies of tiger named after Jim Corbett. The Indo Chinese tiger, its Latin name is Panthera tigris corbetti. Nice. <laughs> uh, and someone really needs to make a film about one of his stories. You know what I mean? It's waiting for you, Matt. It's uh, it waiting. It needs to be made. I, I think it could be made into a really good film if it's done right. Don't you think? Yeah. It really could be. Yeah. But if if you want to know more about him, check out uh, episode 20, where we talk all about him and his life and, yeah, just all about him in general. And then check out episode 21, where he hunts for the Champawat Tigress. Also a really cool story. Yeah. So that's our recap of Jim. Let's go to the story now, Dave. This is his hunt for the Chowgar Tiger. And uh, I'm pretty much directly... Uh, going from his book, this chapter was 50 pages long. Wow. So I'm I'm obviously not going to be able to cover everything that happens. And I'm putting the story in my own words since he talks kind of old-timey British, and so sometimes he's hard to understand. Oh, okay. So it'll be easier to follow it this way. And the book is, I just got the the Jim Corbett Om, Omnibus. 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 Thank you. <laughs> yeah. uh, which is uh, three of his books in one. And this story comes from The Man Eaters of Kumeon. Oh. All right. Let's start the story now. This is a quote from the beginning of the chapter. The map of eastern Kumeon that hangs on the wall before me is marked with a number of crosses. And below each cross is a date. These crosses indicate the locality and the date of the official of, of the officially recorded human victims of the man-eating tiger of Chowgar. Wow. There are 64 crosses on the map. I do not claim this as being a correct tally, for the map was posted up by me for two years, and during this period, all kills were not reported to me. Further, Victims who were only mauled and who died later have not been given a cross. So 64 is the official kill count, but it's, as he says, it's uh, likely higher. More casualties. More casualties, yes. Uh, The first cross is dated December 15th, 1925. 
and the last cross, March 21st, 1930. And this is all, so that's a five-year period. Um, and this is all in an area of around um, 1,500 square miles. Mm. Um, over this time, and in this area, the Chowgar Tiger established a reign of terror. Gee. That's a pretty good prelude, right? Yeah. All right, well, let's meet up with Jim now. Uh, in February 1929, Jim found himself at a district conference where he committed to the hunt. And there was, at the time, three known man-eaters in the Kumeyan region. Gee. As the Chowgar tiger had done the most damage, he promised to go after it first. The map with the crosses was given to Jim by the government, uh, and it showed that the tiger was most active near villages in the Kala Agar Ridge. And that is where Jim begins his hunt. He arrives at a small village in this region in April 1929. The last human victim in this area was a 22-year-old man who had been killed while out grazing with his cattle. Well, he wasn't grazing, but he was, he was <laughs> having the cattle graze. <laughs> Uh, and while Jim was having breakfast the morning after his arrival, the grandmother of the young man came to see him. She informed him that the tiger killed the only relative she had in the world. She then pressed Jim to accept three buffaloes as bait, saying that if Jim killed the tiger with the help of her buffaloes, she would uh, have the satisfaction of feeling that she had assisted in avenging her grandson. Mm. Jim had no use for the buffaloes, but accepted uh, as not to cause offense. But this kind of puts over how the villagers feel about the, the tiger and man-eaters in general. They are scared to death of the tiger, and they really mm. want it gone. Understandable. Yeah. Jim now learns that the tiger had last been seen 10 days ago in a village 20 miles away, where it had killed and eaten a man and his wife. A, a trail 10 days old was not worth following up. So Jim decides to go to a village called Dalkana. 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 That's what I'm going to call it. Okay. Um, Dalkana com comes up frequently in this story. So remember it. From the number of crosses Dalkana and the adjoining villages had earned, it appeared that the tiger had its headquarters in the vicinity of these villages. Hmm. On his way to the village, he and his men run into other villagers who told him that that morning the tiger attacked a party of women while they had been cutting crops in a village 10 miles north of Dalkana. So now Jim wants to head to this village. Uh, he sends his men to Dalkana while he travels through, uh, through the dense jungle by himself to this new village. Jim is a, if you remember, Jim is a master of traveling through difficult terrain. Yeah. He grew up doing it. That was what it was. That was his thing. So he, he goes by himself and spends an uneasy night in a tree. Uh, he camps out in trees often hmm. as well. Yeah, that sounded like about. him to go by himself too. Because uh, I remember last time there's a group that wanted to go with him. He's like, no, no, no. It just caused problems. Well, actually, he sometimes, it depends on the situation. Sometimes he oh. prefers to go by himself as to not put other people in harm's way. Mm -hmm. So he, he does whatever the situation calls for really. Yeah. Uh, but man, I just can't imagine wanting to go out and do that and just spend 
hours in a jungle by yourself and sleeping in trees. No kidding. It's got to be pitch black. You, there's no moonlight or anything that's yeah, going through. Unless, yeah, unless... Because with the jungle, it's, yeah, I yeah, figure it's, it's got to so be thick. pitch black. So those moonlight things would be like, what the heck is yeah, that? Yeah, well, he... I didn't write it down, but yeah, he said uh, there's a family. He he suspects there was bears really near nearby that were eating stuff, and you could hear growling. You could hear all. You could hear everything that's going on in the jungle. You know what I mean? That's crazy. But uh, this shows that how physically and mentally tough Jim is. Yeah. So when the sun comes up, he continues to travel and arrives a few hours later. The small community was in a state of terror. And were overjoyed when Jim arrived. The villagers showed Jim where the tiger stalked the women. I don't think the tiger uh, attacked them, though, but they, they spotted it. Oh, okay. The man who had seen the tiger and given out the alarm told Jim that the tiger had retreated back in the jungle where it was joined by a second tiger. Whoa. This statement that there were two tigers confirmed the reports he had already heard that the man-eater was accompanied by a full-grown cub. Oh, wow. So there are now two man-eating tigers in this. Yikes. The villagers took Jim took Jim in and fed him and stuff, and after a quick rest, Jim went back to the hunt. Jim now points out in the book that tigers do not know that humans have no sense of smell. And when a tiger becomes a man-eater, it treats humans the same as it treats wild animals. Jim says that the wind plays a big part of their hunting. Oh. He also says that in all cases of a tiger hunting by stalking or stealth, the victim is approached from behind. This being so, it would be suicidal to enter dense jungle where the man-eater is known to be. Unless that person is capable of making full use of the air currents. And Jim knows how to do this. Hmm. But yeah, the wind plays a big role in the tiger hunting and for Jim hunting. Okay. So the tiger will will uh, try to keep downwind. Yeah. No, upwind. No, downwind, sorry. From, yeah, uh, I, I, from even humans. I, I would imagine so. Okay. Yeah. So Jim is looking for trails of the tigers, and it's now approaching dark. Jim selects another tree to sleep in once again, uh, where, where he actually gets a pretty decent good night rest on this time. Hmm. Wait, so he's ag- he's actually out there trying to sleep? He's Wait, what did he... he's <laughs> out there he's in out the there jungle. Hunting. Well, it's nighttime now. Yeah, isn't that when the cats are most active? Yeah, but you're not going to hunt a man-eating tiger in the dark dave unless unless you have unless you're situated in a spot maybe where the moonlight's showing he has no light he can't see but he's looking for clues right so he could hear if something comes by he could hear but he's not gonna be able to get a shot if he can't see most of his activities happen during the day huh we can't see at night they can yeah but i don't know why sleep in a tree in the jungle then just sleep at the camp it's too far away Oh, like he hikes he's miles a, and miles a day. Oh, okay. But by midday the next day, he explored every bit of the valley with no luck. He then runs into a man, um, where he's looking f- uh, that is looking for him. He runs into a man that's looking for Jim. So how these villagers communicate in the jungle is they use 
coo sounds like they mm. to let people know where they are and using coos uh the man finds Jim, but yeah, they just they just make loud sounds, and certain sounds mean certain mean certain things, and oh, that's okay. how villagers kind of communicate. Right on. So that's how he finds Jim. Jim coos back to him, and then they find each other, and he tells uh, tells Jim that after herding his cows together, there was one missing, and believed the tigers were responsible. Mm. The man told Jim whereabouts the cow was, and Jim sets off to investigate uh, in, in the ravine where this happens. Jim, once there, follows cattle tracks and finds where the kill took place. But the tigers took the cow down a steep hillside. Jim follows the trail into the deep, thick jungle where he notices movement less than 30 yards away. Ooh. He sees a white leg, the cow's leg, being moved around violently, and hears some deep growling. The tigers were kind of fighting over the dead cow, I guess, at the oh. time, which is very common when tigers share a meal, yeah, even if they're related, that happens. Jim stood perfectly still. Going near was not uh, advisable, as even if he could get a shot... At one tiger, the other could easily kill him. So Jim goes to his left about 20 yards to an outcrop of rocks that would give him a better vantage point and a better shot. Jim gets on his hands and knees and crawls towards the rocks. So 20 yards, he's crawling in the wow. jungle. He gets atop the rocks and sets himself up for a shot. Now one tiger was eating the hindquarters of the cow while the other lying down nearby. Both tigers appeared to be the same size, but the but the one that was lying down was several shades lighter than the other. Believing that the tiger with the lighter shade was the older one, was the mother, Jim aligns his shot at the tiger and fires. He hits the tiger, and it fell back, the other tiger takes off down the ravine before he can get a second shot at it. Oh, wow. The tiger that was shot uh, did not move again, and Jim gets closer. He, to he tosses stones at it just to make sure it's dead. Uh, as Jim approached, he was met with disappointment. Once he got close, he realized he made a mistake and shot the adult cub instead of the mother. Oh. This is a mistake that costs 15 lives over the next year. Oh, wow. So, uh, the mother is the true man-eater, which he meant to shoot. However, it's very likely that this cub assisted in its mother's killings of people. Yeah, I mean, if she's, she's teaching, teaching it how to kill you. Yeah. So, this cub is a man-eater and needed to be shot as well, but probably would have been better to shoot the true, the first one, you know, the mother. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and was raised, yeah, so the, the tiger was raised watching her mother kill people and uh, ate, also ate people. It basically makes this cub a man-eater as well. So Jim was comforted by this feeling, but still upset that he didn't kill the true man-eater. Hmm. So right after he kills this tiger, uh, it's nearly nighttime, so Jim skins the dead tiger with with a, only a small knife. Oh, gee. Uh, I think he's, he skins them as proof that he killed the tiger. And it's also kind of a symbolic thing when you're skinning animals. Mm. And he, I think he gives the coats 
to oh, some yeah. like a museum. Maybe I don't know if he gives them to a museum or if he gives them to the villagers. You don't want to waste anything. No, yeah, you don't want to <clears> waste <throat> it. But yes, it sounds gruesome, but it's really common. I mean, hell, you even uh, skin animals in Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Jim spends another night in a tree where he another night in a tree. That's like three days in a row in a tree. <laughs> and he says he spent the most uncomfortable night he ever had. He could hear the sounds of the man eater in the distance. Oh, but he wasn't worried because tigers don't go back in it after a situation like that. Huh? Uh, in the morning, cramped, stiff and hungry. Jim carries the tiger skin back to the village, and he was greeted with a uh, warm welcome back, obviously. Uh, his men even left a kettle kettle of tea ready for uh, him once his re- he returns. Nice. Jim might uh, have grown up in India, but he is still damn British. <laughs> and they love their tea. Yeah. He then rests for uh, the rest of the day, uh, takes a hot bath in front of the whole village, but it's too tired. <laughs> it's too tired to care. Uh, then the next morning, Jim decides to use four buffaloes as bait for the man eater. But he does not have luck. Uh, there's no luck for the next ten days. Hmm. Uh, there's nothing. No signs of the tiger. Not, just nothing at all. But on the 11th day, it was reported that another cow had been killed. But this cow was actually killed by a leopard, he oh. found out. Uh, villagers complained that this leopard had been a nuisance for years. So Jim decided to set up to kill the leopard. He set up in a shallow cave, and the leopard comes within his sights. He raised his rifle to shoot when he hears a village... Uh, when he hears, sorry, when he when he hears a voice calling from the village, he hears another coup, mm. a very urgent coup. Oh. There could be only one reason for this urgent call. Jim dashed out of the cave, never shoots the leopard. Mm. When he meets up with uh, the man, he informs Jim that a woman had just been attacked by the man eater about a half mile away. Ooh. They run all the way back to the village where they get there. Uh, and when they get there, uh, there was a crowd of people surrounding the woman who was attacked. Uh, I guess villagers scared the tiger away uh, and brought her back to the village. Uh, that's what I initially thought, but that's not what happened. When Jim arrives, they make way and he examines her. Her clothing was torn halfway off with blood flowing down her face. Mm. Villagers tell him what happened. And this is what happened. The young girl had been attacked in the open in full view of other uh, of others, including her husband. Gee. Jim is he's almost positive that this girl will die. She suffered claw cuts between her eyes Gee. and up her scalp. The scalp was hanging off her head. Also, a number of deep cuts on her chest, shoulder, neck, and arm. Wow. So this is a really interesting thing. It's kind of of strange, but I thought it was really interesting, so I wanted to add it. So Jim had a doctor friend who gave him a two-ounce bottle of yellow fluid that he carried in his inner pocket of his jacket. And he's carried this for over a year. And he never says what's in this 
which is in this uh, fluid. Um, so he has, yeah, so he never says what's in it. We never learn it. And he, so he has this vial of some medical substance and pours it into the woman's wounds, then wraps her wounds up, then carries her to her home and left her there with um, the other women of the village to take uh, take care of her. Mm-hmm. And guess what? This girl survives. Wow. Jim visited her 10 days uh, later and saw her holding her child. Now he says in his book, and I quote, if these lives should ever, if these lines should ever be read by my doctor friend, I should like him to know that the little bottle of yellow fluid he so uh, thoughtfully provided me saved the life of a very brave young mother. I wish we knew what was in that that yellow fluid. Yeah. What? How many other lives could he have saved with that stuff? No kidding. I have no idea what's in there. But what if it cured cancer too? You never know. (laughs) And who knows if if that even did anything? We don't know. But it's just I just thought that was an odd thing to to happen. That's crazy. All right. But three days of trying to track the tiger after it attacked this girl. There is another attack three days later. Ooh. This took place about five miles south from Dalcana in a village called Lohali, I think. Jim then sets off to this area. Upon his arrival, he was greeted by the villagers. One older man uh, bent down in front of him and, and with tears streaming down his face, asking Jim to save his daughter. His daughter, who was a widow and his only living relative, went out around 10 a.m. to collect dry sticks for firewood. Nearby, other women were washing clothes in a stream. These women hear a loud scream and actually see the tiger disappear with the woman into the jungle. Uh, No rescue was attempted by the villagers. But they shouted a message of help, and that's how word got to Jim. But get this, the woman literally crawled back home. Gee. Her story says that she saw the tiger just as it pounced on her. After the pounce, her and the tiger fell down a hill together. Next thing she knows, after regaining... Yeah, she she kind of forgets what happens, and Mm -hmm. she regains consciousness... Uh, wounded and unable to call for help, literally crawls back to the village on her hands and knees somehow. Jim enters the home where the brave woman is being looked after. He says, and I quote, I drew the blood-stained sheet off the woman whose pitiful condition I am not going to attempt to describe. So yeah, the woman had deep tooth and claw wounds in her on all over her face, um, neck and upper body. Jim says that even if he, there that he were as a doctor and had some modern uh, medicine available, even if he had more of that magic liquid yeah. <laughs> he used to save the last woman, this woman was going to die. Oh. He did what he could, cleaning out the wounds, but this woman did die later in later that evening. Oh, that's too bad. Jim puts together, uh, after these last two attacks, that the man-eater is very old, and she is struggling 
she's now struggling to even kill humans mm. and that she heavily relied on the assistance from her cub to kill humans that they attacked. Oh. And that makes sense from uh, what we find out later. But yeah, she's having a hard time even killing humans right now. It seems Gee. like everything that has happened, it has happened in about a month long span so far. Okay. Jim decided it was time to go home. He, uh, as his own health was declining, mm. he needed a he needed to get out of there and do a recharge. I guess you could oh, say. Okay. Uh, after the endless hiking through the jungle and sleeping in trees, that's gonna wear you down. Yeah. So Jim and his men now uh, leave Delcana, promising to come back when he could. Jim and his men set off, uh, and after a few miles, they take a break. They come across a man herding his buffaloes. He is from Lohali, where the last woman died. Uh, he said there had been nothing heard of the man-eater in the last week since the attack. Hmm. Jim explains it's possible the man-eater could be nearby. Jim advises him to collect his buffaloes and return to the village. The man said he would do so as soon as the buffalo were done grazing. Jim gives the man a cigarette and leaves on his way. So, Dave, right now, we're going to take a little break. Okay. Uh, from the story. I want to say that uh, I'm having to skip over a lot of stuff. Like, I'm trying to hit the main points, the highlights of the story. But obviously, uh -huh. I can't tell everything from 50 pages in this in one episode. Yeah. But, uh, like, during, like, they said he was there for a week after that attack. Like, he had this crazy hunt for a bear. Whoa. And they, yeah, and he had to, like, kill it with a stone. <laughs> yeah, him, oh and, him and this, him and this uh, companion that he had, who was kind of a character. But it didn't play a role in the story. But I highly recommend, if you want to hear that, the rest, like, that crazy bear story, you can get the book. And it's, it's oh. a great read anyway, but I just couldn't put everything in. Yeah. But, Dave, what do you think so far about this story? Yeah, it's pretty neat. Yeah? This guy's always got stuff going on. Yeah, huh? Jim, Cor Jim Corbett's awesome. We like Jim. All right. You ready to get back to the story? Yeah. So the guy with the buffalo that Jim just left, what occurred right after... Jim wouldn't find out about till his next visit some months later. So not long after Jim and his men left the man, he lit up a cigarette that Jim gave him, and he was then attacked by the man-eater. Oh my goodness. His cries for help were not heard by Jim and his men, as they were like barely too far away, I imagine. Oh. But when the man was attacked, the buffaloes started stampeding and they drove the tiger away. The this man is badly injured with deep cuts and a and a broken arm. He managed to get back to the village um who tried uh tried to clean his wounds the best they could and then carried him 30 miles nonstop to the nearest hospital. Wow. But this man dies shortly after from his wounds. Isn't that something though? Like Jim yeah. was there probably less than an hour. Oh wow! After this happened, it sounds like the tigers might be following him. Then that's 
yeah, there's there's always seems to be a weird instance with that. When I was reading the story, I picked up felt like it. And if you think, and at the end of this story, you, you might be able to. There were some clues about that as well. It just mm. feels like it. Yeah, I don't know if it's true, but trying to <laughs> feels stay behind like him, it. you know. All right, so Jim isn't able to return to hunt the man eater until February 1930. So like eight or nine months since he left. Oh, okay. And since he left, several more people had been killed and many more wounded. Hmm. But Jim goes back to Delcana. Uh, Right away, he is told that a cow had been killed. This is something I have to skip ahead on, but it was actually a leopard that killed the cow. Okay. And Jim was obligated to kill the leopard. And it's kind hmm. of a cool little side story, but we, we just can't uh-huh. can't do it right now. A couple days later, Jim is informed that a tiger has killed a bullock. You know what that is? A bullock? Bullock is, I guess it's a castrated bull. Cow. Yeah. I don't don't know. He's very picky on his words in his book. So Mm. I was like, yeah, Bullock. I'll tell people what that is. So Jim and some men tie up a buffalo to use as bait. They tie it up on on an open area where Jim is set up at an overlooking position uh, only about 30 yards away. So that's not very far. After waiting a while, the buffalo gets startled. And faces towards Jim. Jim knows that whatever startled it is just below him. Oh. He's kind of on a vantage point, I guess. Uh, Jim, on his vantage point, sees the head of a tiger. And he he said something interesting. He said that you only shoot, you only go for a headshot if absolutely necessary. Huh. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why either. But after a quick minute, the tiger attacks the buffalo and kills the buffalo very quickly with barely a sound of a struggle. That's what he said. It was so quick that barely heard anything from the cow. The right side of the tiger was facing towards Jim. He takes aim with this 275 rifle and fires. The tiger then turns and runs off. Hmm. Jim believes he had missed and believed the tiger might return. 10, 15 minutes dragged by when a tiger's head um, pokes up again from the same position. Then he sees the body. He takes a second shot. But instead of the tiger falling down as expected, it darts off the hillside. Huh. Jim has no excuse for his missed shots. He is upset at himself and wants to return back to camp, but decides against this due to there being a tiger's out, tiger out there. <laughs> so Jim laid there until the sun came up. So he's sleeping out in the wilderness Gee. again. When it did, he goes to the village and tells them what happened. Jim and villagers went back. Back to where it took place, Jim says the tiger went off in that direction. Shortly after, he hears someone shout, Look, there's a tiger laying dead. Oh. Yeah. Before he can even uh, get to that tiger, he hears another shout saying, Look, another tiger is dead. (laughs) (laughs) Now at this point, 
Jim believes he shot the man-eater and her mate, since it is uh, mating season. Oh. He goes to inspect the first tiger, which is an older female. Hmm. Just like the man-eater. Jim inspects the tiger's uh, paws. He remembers studying the man-eater's paw prints earlier on his last trip, and they were very distinct. And to his regret, this tiger is not the man-eater. Oh. The second tiger was in fact a male, so also not the man-eater. So he didn't miss either of his two shots. Oh. But accidentally shot the wrong two tigers. Oh, no. Jim has had some bad luck so far hunting this man-eater, to say the least. He had to convince the villagers that these were not the man-eaters. Jim stayed another week, but no news of the man-eater. There's no news of the man-eater. Jim left again without killing it. You know, his mistake is that he's using buffalo as bait. Any tiger will eat buffalo. You got to use a man as bait (laughs) to get a (laughs) man-eater. I don't know if you could find somebody who would volunteer for that. Well, there's been, I can't remember if it was the last episode we had, but there was, I swear we've talked about a story before where they actually used a dead person. Oh, really? Yeah, that's been done before, but a lot of people are really against it. I think the Hindus don't like that. I can't remember what it was, but I swear we've talked about that once before. Hmm. But it has happened before. But they were, they were, they were dead. They weren't alive. Oh, all right, so he goes back to his home base of Nainatal, and on March 22nd, he receives an urgent request by the district commissioner to meet with him back in the Kala Agar Ridge. Two days later, he arrives at Kala Agar to meet the commissioner. His name is Mr. Vivian, <laughs> and along with Miss Vivian. And I just picture oh, like like a top hat wearing, smoking a pipe with a monocle, yeah. wearing a suit British guy when I think of Mr. Vivian. Yeah. Sounds like he took his wife's name. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Jim meets them for breakfast. Uh, the Vivians tell Jim that on the 21st, while they were traveling, had a run-in with the man-eater. They said that one of six women who uh, was cutting grass in their bungalow compound had been killed by the man-eater. So I, I think, like, I guess, like, a maid is what you can make. For, oh. I guess. That, that makes sense. Um, both Vivians are avid hunters and good with a rifle. So they set off to find uh, the woman. They do find her dead under an oak tree. The Vivians and others set up a trap and attempted to shoot the tiger, but no luck that night. Then in the morning, they find out the tiger killed a buffalo half mile away. Hmm. Killing, just killing and killing. I guess he didn't eat the woman. Or I guess the tigers, or the tiger did not eat the woman, obviously. So she had to kill again. And I don't know how big these, like, buffaloes and... um, cows are that they're talking oh. about they could be calves which okay. seems more likely if you ask me hmm. the vivians set up nearby the dead buffalo waiting on the return of the tiger and it was getting dark and hard to see 
but an animal approaches the buffalo. The Vivians think it's a bear and not wanting to shoot uh, unless they can see it, they let the animal go. See what I mean? Talk, hunting at night. Oh, okay. awesome. It's really hard to do. Uh, turns out it was, in fact, the man-eater. Oh. And the Vivians could have killed it. This tiger has been elusive and extremely lucky so far. Wow. I wonder if Jim Corbett would have been able to tell if it was the right tiger, if it was a bear, you know? Yeah, I, w- I would like to think so, but I don't know. The Vivians leave, and Jim heads back once again to Dalcana. For a couple of more weeks of hiking, all during daylight hours, on roads, and in the jungle, he he got near the man-eater twice, but still no luck. So now we're going to jump forward to April 11th, 1930. Okay? Okay. So he's been there for three months hunting again, right? He's, no, February. Oh, well, he started. He went back, and then he the Vivians happened on like the twenty second of March. So then he was in spent like a a week or two looking around, and now it's April eleventh. Okay, that, that makes sense, right? Yeah. Okay. And remember, this is almost a year. This yeah, this is literally a year after his first attempt. Mm. Uh, on this day, April eleventh, uh, Jim is on the hunt. And he knows that he is getting close to the tiger. And I had to skip over some parts here, but uh, Jim almost got a clear shot, but it was at like 300 yards. But the tiger got out of sight just as he was putting his rifle up. So Jim continues walking towards her. And after a bit, Jim hears a low growling sound. Mm Mm-hmm. As he stepped clear of a giant slate rock, he looked behind to his right and looked right into the man-eater's eyes. Oh, wow. The tiger is only... I I can't believe this, but this is what it says. The tiger is only eight feet away. Oh, wow. Jim describes what happens next, that it felt like a lifetime. Two thoughts flashed through his mind. One that it was up to him to make the first move, and that the move would have to be made in such a manner as to not alarm the tiger or make her nervous. His rifle in his right hand would have to be swung three quarters to get a shot. Jim very slowly began swinging his gun around. Uh, The stock hit his shoulder... He then extends his arm. The tigress never once uh, takes her eyes off of him. Jim's movement was finally completed. And as soon as the rifle was pointing, pointing at the tiger, he presses the trigger. She very slowly staggers and her body falls to the ground. The bullet hit her right in the heart. Oh, wow. Finally, Jim has killed the Chowgar man-eater. Wow. So he, another interesting thing, he attributes his positioning and slow movement as to why the tiger didn't pounce on him. But still, he really doesn't know why she didn't. Wow. Eight feet away. Tigers can leap further than eight feet. I know that. 
She maybe she learned to have respect for him, you know, because she knew he's been hunting him. She maybe was like, "This is my time. Take me." I don't know, but that's when I read it. I did get a little bit of that feeling. I don't know why. It just felt interesting. So here's another odd thing on that's on par with the fluid substance. Oh yeah. So it wasn't alcohol or beer. No, (laughs) that's yellow, isn't it? (laughs) That is yellow. All right, so, but he also, he also says that earlier this day, he picked up a, a night jar. He picked up a pair of night jar eggs as he remembered his brother telling him that they were good luck. So what are night jar eggs? Night jar is a bird species. Oh. But while he was, this day, on this, right, on this day, he picks up these night jar eggs that his brother once told him were lucky so he picks him up and kind of carries with him on this hunt in his hand. And he just yeah. he just gets some, like, moss so to cradle them a bit. Oh, okay. But he's literally carrying gun in right hand, two eggs in his left hand. Like, what? That wow. just sounds so weird, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. But somehow, it works. Wow. After he killed the tiger, uh, and after he killed the tiger, he went back and returned the eggs to the nest. Wow. Yeah, isn't that bizarre? Yeah. So maybe... Hey, I guess what the mother's not going to return now because the human touched it. That's actually false. I know. (laughs) That's that's kind of a myth. That's to get the kids not to mess around with them. Yeah, you're right. But isn't that... That just is weird. He goes... He hasn't... It's been a year since... And he hasn't been able to kill this tiger. He picks up eggs. He kills it like an hour later. That's crazy. With with eggs in his hand while he shoots. That is nuts. And And then returns him. Just on loan. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he puts it back in the nest. So yeah, that's that's I, he's that two weird things happen in this story. Wow. I, I thought. Yeah. Uh, so some uh, some men, to their delight, see the dead man eater. They tie up the tiger, uh, like like on a stick that they hoist up on their shoulders. Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And uh, carry. The tiger who had haunted their villages for the last five years and killed probably more than 64 people. Wow. Jim goes back to the map with the crosses and adds one more. The cross of the tiger herself Mm. with the date April 11th, 1930. So the tigress had what they discover later. The tigress had worn down and broken claws. Oh. One canine tooth was broken off, and her front teeth worn down to the gums. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was these defects that made her a man-eater. Oh, okay. Which is true, which is common with the man-eaters that we've talked about before. They seem to always have some kind of, it's either old age or injuries, or both. If you remember, there was something wrong with the Champawat tigress's uh, teeth. And I think she was shot once before, too, before Jim got her. But, yeah, it's pretty crazy, huh? Yeah. Dave, that is that is going to wrap up the episode. Wow. What did you think of this story? Yeah. His stories are awesome. They really are, wow. aren't they? Yeah. And he's got a good way with, you know, I, I don't know. He's got to be knowing that he knows how to tell the story well. Cause yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it's just... I mean, we got to give me some credit, because I, I put his words into my own. That's but. true, yeah, man. There you go. you got a talent. <laughs> storyteller. Oh, thank you. Thank you. 
But yeah, uh, Jim Corbett, he's he's a cool guy. You know? Yeah. I like I like this story a lot. And I hope all the listeners enjoyed the return of Jim Corbett. Uh yeah, we we love his stories, so hopefully everyone else does too. He was he's one of the main inspirations for why we started this podcast. Uh and like I said, there's are uh one there's uh, things that I had to leave out just to make otherwise it would have gone on too long and it was hard enough. This Jim these Jim Corbett stories I've are like 30 plus pages of me writing stuff down. Wow. But they're also not even our longest episodes because I'm kind of going through it so uh-huh. quick. So the gym ones are only like 50 minutes while we have a, a moose episode that's 70 plus minutes because you and I are dicking around. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, hey, uh, it's nice that you leave some things out because that just means we can visit Jim Corbett again. Yes, you are correct. But uh, read the book if you want to know more. It's really good. And this isn't the last you will hear of Jim Corbett. We... We'll have more of him. We'll have, do another story of him another um, sometime soon. Like I said, I want to do his one of his leopard stories next. I haven't even read his leopard stories yet. Oh. So we'll definitely do that. There's two leopards ones. Like I said, the Panar leopard. Hmm. I killed um, 400. Wow. And then the there's another one called the Ruta Rybrag. I don't know how to say it, but yeah. that one killed like 125, I think. Hmm. So leopards are heavy hitters. That's crazy. They're definitely heavy hitters. But uh, for next week, I have not chosen a subject yet. So (laughs) it's going to be a surprise next week. Uh, It could literally be anything. I have no, I have not, I was too busy doing this Jim Corbett episode to even think about what to Uh do for the, for the following week. Uh, Before we close the show, um, we were obviously going to thank some people and give shout outs, but I also want to mention some new friends of ours, Dave. Uh, I made friends with them uh, last week. And if you can't get enough about animals and animal attacks, then after you listen to our show, go check out When Animals Attack podcast. We aren't the only ones, Dave. Uh, Jen and Nilo make a great podcast. I recently just listened to their lion episode. And I enjoyed that. They also briefly covered the Lions of Savo. Oh, okay. Which yeah. is something we're definitely going to do in a full episode. That's yeah. kind of similar to these Jim Corbett stories, the Lions of Savo. Um, you know what? If we can do it, me and Dave, we, they sent us a little clip to plug their show. We're going to try to insert it here. We'll see if it works. Oh, we can do it. Do you like hearing about animal attacks in real life and in movies? Well, you're in luck. I'm Jen. And I'm Nilu, And together, we're When Animals Attack podcast, the podcast for all your animal attack needs. All right. So, yeah, everyone go check out their podcast as well. And, Dave, um, let's move on. We have a couple people we need to thank. Oh, nice. Uh, first off, we want to give a shout out to D-Star 87. D-Star 87. Thank you for your... Uh, it's been a while since you've got to do that. Yeah. Uh, thank you for your iTunes review. It, it means a lot. And we also. What did he say about us? I can't remember. It was pretty. <laughs> it was pretty brief, but he just said he enjoyed the show. Nice. And we also have a super shout out to give. Super shout out! Thank you, Bucky B. Bucky B. Thank you for your generous donation. Uh, that's amazing. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much for being a producer of the show. Nice. It means a lot. So, Dave, if our listeners want to help out and contribute, just like 
these two, like Bucky B and D Star, what can they do? Well, they can uh, donate on uh, pay, not PayPal. Oh God, you're gonna have to do this one, Matt. I'm not even I always, on, on that this was one. like the worst one. <laughs> it was. <laughs> so. Go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, give us a review, give us five stars, say something you like about the show. The ratings and reviews really help out, you guys. I know it takes like 10 or 20, 30 seconds, but it means a lot, so please do that for us. And I've learned that the ratings and reviews are what really helps a podcast climb the charts and helps make them more popular, and we want to be more popular. And um, So please do that. It helps a lot. Uh, and also... Now, if you want to be an even more wonderful person like Bucky B and be a producer of the show, you can go to PayPal or Venmo and leave a donation. That means a whole lot. Uh, I don't care if it's $1 or $100. I mean, $100 sounds better, but I don't care if it's $1. It could be literally anything. Anything helps. And, man, we will we will love you for helping us. Uh, I've said before I want to try and kind of make some – I want to get some merch going. I, I want to yeah. make a T-shirt, a force of nature, and then I want to be on the streets and people ask me about it, and then I can talk about our podcast. Yeah. I, I try to do that anyway, but <laughs> but now I can have something to bring it up. <laughs> yeah. So donations will help make that happen. So you uh, can go to PayPal. You can find us uh, by our email, forceofnaturepod at gmail.com, or on Venmo on my personal account. Matthew-Hamilton-51. That info is also in the description below. And to all the listeners, feel free to contribute if... Um, or sorry, feel free to contact us if you ever want to. Tell us a cool animal-related story of uh, you, uh, you or someone you know. Or if you want to suggest an episode idea or just want to say hi, ask a question, please feel free. You can email us or message us on Facebook. Also, help us grow by recommending the show to family and friends. Tell them we are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, anywhere where podcasts are found. Anything to add, Dave? I'm good. Okay. Colonel Cheetor, you got anything? Man, Jim Corbett is a bad ass. You are correct, Cheetor. Yeah. He needs he needs a leopard one story on Jim Corbett, I think. He needs a leopard? Why does he need a leopard? Oh, just because he loves Jim Corbett so much? Yeah. Okay. I, th- I thought you were saying that he looks like a leopard. No. Well, he's got spots, but... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is Force of Nature Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Tell your friends. Be a part of building us up. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.